go Chiefs! All of you out there who are watching, they're not Chiefs fans, you are in trouble, but we're happy that you're here. We just have a couple announcements for you guys today. We are starting um, the Foundations of the New Testament reading um, tomorrow. So if you guys um, are interested in that, there's cards all over the place. You also should have gotten an email on ways to sign up for that so that we can all read together. Don't feel pressure. If you've never done like a Bible plan on um, that Bible verse app, if you miss a day, there's no judgment. They just bring you to the next day. And I've done that multiple times. So go ahead and join us. We already have quite a few people doing it. So we're really excited to do it just together as a church family. So please look for those cards. You can use the QR code. If you didn't get an email, please email us at pastors at southwoods.org. And we will send you an email so that you can participate. Really excited about that. Um, we're also going to be doing the Super Bowl of Caring, the day of the Super Bowl. Um, if you've done it with us before, we usually have soup, but we're not going to do that this year just because of COVID. So we're just going to ask you to bring money or canned goods for our food pantry. All the proceeds are going to go just to fill the pantry up. It gives lots of food to lots of people in need. So it's really just a great way to care on the Super Bowl. Bring some soup if you want to. That's in a can, so that's fine. Um, anything else? We just want you guys to get connected here. So I've been going to Southwood since I was 13 years old. I have not been in a small group all that regularly, but I am now. And just as someone who's been a Christian for a long time, it's so nice to go somewhere that you feel safe enough to like explore your faith. So like, I know who Jesus is. I know that I believe in him, but there's so many unanswered questions that I think we kind of shellac over as Christians. So like, these are places that you can get to know people, you do life with them, and you can just grow deeper in your faith. So we encourage you guys, if you're not in one, look around. There's all this information back. There's information on the website. They're great groups. It takes a minute to get to know everybody, but then once you're in, it's like, dang, like these people love me. They've got me, and I'm, they're safe people to talk through the like deep questions that you have about Christianity. So I just encourage you, if you're not in one, go ahead and join in. Um, we're going to just watch this video to kind of prepare our hearts for worship, and then we're going to sing to God. So sit back, and then we'll sing here in a second.
involves you, go ahead and stand up. Let's worship the Lord together in this new thing.
do a new thing on us this morning. God, we want your presence. We want you. Be with us this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship.
love. God, we're thankful that you come after us. We need you, Father. We're like that lamb that's so far away. You leave and come find us when we need you. And God, we just want to praise you for that and thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take a seat. Good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning, and uh, want to say hi to those of you who are present. Say uh, hello to those of you who are tuning in online. We're grateful that you're with us, and uh, begin with a, a word of thanks to my wife Lori, who spoke the last two weeks, and uh, did a great job. Yep, thank you. She did. I always enjoy when uh, when I get to hear her share as well, and uh, grateful for that. Uh, grateful for all of our worship team, everybody who, uh, who serves around here, and um, just, just love and appreciate all of you. Thank you for your prayers. Many of us, you know, we're down in Mexico, uh, the Hero Makers trip, and uh, we were able to accomplish a lot, had a lot of great things. We came back, and some of us have been battling sickness since we've gotten back, and so, you know, I think everybody is on the, the upside of that, so we're grateful for that. So thankful for your prayers uh, for everybody, but just continue to pray, pray for it just, it just sort of made me think. Think about our missionaries, people who are serving all over the world because a lot of them are in situations where, you know, they don't have some of the, uh, they just don't have the support like we all have of each other. So, uh, so we do need to be praying for one another. So that said, I'm going to ask you one more time, bow your heads with me, let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive into the, this morning's uh, message time, all right? Father, we're thankful for your, your favor, your grace, the privilege of being here in this place reflecting on you and your goodness, your ways of life, and uh, what, your, what your will for our lives is and what it should be for us. And just ask God that you'd speak to us this morning as we look at your word. Your word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it can, uh, can expose brokenness. It can heal woundedness. And we need both in all of our lives. So we, both, we all need both of those things. So would you bring about healing and transformation in us for Christ's kingdom's sake, and we'll give you credit for everything good that happens as a, result, as a result of that. So speak to us now as we look at your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, for those of you who are Kansas City Chiefs football fans, what does 13 seconds bring to mind? Uh, we've been inundated with that in the past uh, week. 13 seconds brings to mind last week's Chiefs game. Uh, if you remember, and I'm sure how could most of us forget who watched the game, the Buffalo Bills took a 36-33 lead over the Kansas City Chiefs with just 13 seconds left on the game clock. If you put yourselves in the shoes, in the cleats, if you will, of uh, the Chiefs players, if you were one of the 53 players on that roster, and you have got to be among the team moving the ball half the length of the field and then successfully kicking an equally long field goal against the number one defense in the NFL, all in 13 seconds of game time. You know what goes through your mind? You may believe it can be done, but hear this. It represents a huge challenge. 
It's a huge test for every player on the team. Are they playing for themselves or are they playing for the group? How are they going to respond to the pressure of the adversity that's in front of them? Well, amazingly, last week when tested, we all watched the home team rise to the occasion. It, rare and amazing. Our team's amazing. But even for them, this was amazing this past week. With just 13 seconds on the clock, the Chiefs marched halfway down the field in two plays. Harrison Butker successfully kicked a 49-yard field goal that tied the game. The Chiefs went on to win the game in overtime. It was a beautiful thing. It was Chiefs football as it should be. It was wonderful unless you happen to be cheering for Buffalo. Uh, it's adversity on a whole different level if you're, uh, if you're Buffalo, right? Here's the point. In football, a team's faith and preparation and skill are tested every time they step onto the field. And in life... Our faith, our spiritual preparation, our character are tested literally every time our feet hit the floor in the morning. It's every time. Your faith is going to be tested. My faith is going to be tested. Life is filled with adversity. It's filled with tests. Everyone's going to face those tests whether we want to or not. It's just a part of life. There are no exceptions. And so it's really important for a follower of God, a follower of Jesus to learn how to practically deal with the testing that's just going to come your way in life. God's given us the freedom of choice of just, you know, plugging our ears and putting blinders on and going through life as though everything's going to be wonderful and easy, but, you know, that's not going to work out real well for us. And so the wise person pauses and says, okay, Lord, what can I learn about how to stand when my faith is tested? How do, how do, how do I... How do I do this? How do I do this? Uh, we started a series a couple of weeks ago uh, that I titled uh, When Faith is Tested. And it's a new message series. We're working our way through uh, the book, the New Testament book of 1 Peter. If you've not read the first, uh, the, the first book of P Peter, I guess, 1 Peter, you know, before, ever before, I would encourage you. Make sure to sit down and read it. Five chapters. You can read it beginning to ending, you know, in the pregame, the warm-up time today is not a long, it won't take you forever to sit and read it. That's probably not the optimal time to read it if you, if you really want to focus on what the passage says, what the book says. But I would encourage you, set aside some time, read First Peter, even if you have read it, reflect on it. Maybe this would be a good time for some of us as we read it over and over again over the next several weeks as we work our way through the series. My hope is that you'll maybe memorize some of it. You'll see a passage that sort of jumps at you. If that happens, memorize it. You say, well, I don't want to memorize it because if I memorize it, I'll just forget it down the road. You know, welcome to humanity. You, know, welcome. you don't memorize something you know, because you'll never forget it. You memorize it because you're washing your mind, your spirit with the word of God, with the wisdom of God. You're meditate. Memorization is really... the the methodology of meditation. When you read meditating on Scripture, when you read that phrase in Scripture, most of the time what it's really talking about is not meditation in some New Age, Eastern kind of thing like we think of it today. Most of the time what it's talking about is it's just rehearsing the Word in your mind. And, and in the process of trying to get it right, you just go through it over and over and over again. And, and you may remember it for six weeks, but here's what happens. When you forget it, guess what? 
six years from now, you'll be in some situation and the Holy Spirit has that word that's been planted in your heart as a seed to bring back to your mind. It's amazing to me over the years how passages that I memorized back years ago that I've long since forgotten, you know, that I'll be in some situation and one of them intact, exactly as I memorized, will come back to me. And if you ask me five minutes later to quote it, I couldn't quote it exactly, but it was it was whole. It was intact in my mind and my spirit in that moment when I needed it. And I mean, this is what God does. And so what, what's my point in that? My point is to say, as we're working our way through First Peter here together, my encouragement to you, when your faith is tested, you need this. You need the word of God planted deep in your mind, your soul, your spirit, and just rehearsing it through the reading and the, the meditation of it is going to, be, going to be a real help to you. It can really help us to prepare our minds, our spirits for the kinds of adversity and challenges and testing that every one of us is going to face at some point in our lives. So I hope you'll immerse yourself in the book of 1 Peter and in this series as we're doing it together. And here's part of why 1 Peter is important. The people it was originally written to by the great apostle Peter were well acquainted with adversity and trials was not something that they had to talk about somebody else's experience with. I had first-hand experience with adversity and trials. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Peter was writing to a group of people who were hurting, people who were suffering. They were suffering like the folks in Afghanistan last year when the Taliban took over the government of the country. I mean, the people that Peter wrote to experienced the exact same kinds of things. I mean, these believers, First Peter... They were forced to flee for their lives, leaving their homes, their properties, their businesses, their money, their clothes, their family heirlooms. They left behind churches, friends, fellow believers. They left behind everything that was near and dear to them. And so Peter, prompted by the Holy Spirit, what he did in first period is he was writing a letter to the five Roman provinces where most of those believers had gone to. They'd fled to these places to hide and organize themselves into a makeshift underground church. So he wrote 1 Peter in the hope that all of these groups of believers would sit down and read 1 Peter over and over and over and over again and reflect on Scripture as they knew it from the Old Testament and, and the life and testimony of Jesus and want them to reflect on all of these things. Now, with all of that in mind, I encourage you to open your Bible with me this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses together. My hope is that you'll listen carefully, especially to what uh, the Holy Spirit may want to say to you today through His Word. So let's, uh, let's look at this passage together. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 7, which we started, we used a portion of this a uh, couple of weeks ago. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to uh, that message a few weeks ago. But uh, we're going to pick up some continuity of thought here. Start at verse 7 says these words, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much glory or bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. 
This salvation was something even the prophets longed to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now, there are many insights into faith and its development that can be found in these verses. And if time were no issue, you know, we, we could unpack a lot of different things. But time is always an issue for all of us. So in the interest of time, I want to focus our attention for the next few minutes on four God-honoring, faith-strengthening responses to testing that show up in these verses. Let me say that again. Four God-honoring, faith-strengthening responses to testing that show up in these verses. And my hope is that you'll listen carefully as we unpack this briefly together. Maybe take a few moments, write some of these things down. Particularly as we go through this, this book, this series, I encourage you, bring a piece of paper with you, bring a pen, write some of these things down. If it's your Bible, feel free to write a little bit in the margin if you want to. But my hope is that you'll, you'll think deeply about this, that you will listen carefully, because you're going to need today, in particular today, I need you to think with me for a little bit, okay? Sometimes you can kind of sit in a mess and you just kind of listen and it just kind of washes over and you don't really, you don't have to think a whole lot. This morning... I need you to think with me a little bit, okay? I need you to like, mentally engage and try to dismiss all the other distractions and just assimilate what we're going to talk about today because this is foundational to a whole lot of what we're going to do in the weeks ahead. And I just want you to hear it and absorb it carefully because this is, this is let me just say, it's good. It's good, okay? We need this. So let's talk about these responses to testing that show up in these verses. The first response to testing, a faith-strengthening response to testing that, that all of us need to, to lean into is this. When our faith is tested, it's important to remember the prophets. It's important to remember the prophets, and this is a very practical thing to do. Some of us, you know, we, we don't see how that connects yet, but you will in a few moments. Verses 9 and 10 tell us this. Peter, after he's talked about how faith, you know, when our faith is tested, it proves that it's genuine. He's talked about adversity and all these kinds of things and the refinement of, you know, of our faith like fire reform, you know, purifies gold and this kind of stuff. He's talked about that. And then he changes the direction a little bit. And he goes in verse 9, he says, And the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets, even the prophets wanted to know more about. Now here, just think with me. Why would Peter bring up the prophets in the context of talking about adversity and challenges of faith, tests of faith, and how it's a refinement like, like gold? and all? Why, why would he bring the prophets up? There are multiple reasons. One of the primary ones is this, and this is really important for us to assimilate. The prophets were well acquainted with adversity and the testing of their faith. And everyone that Peter was originally writing to understood that. Everybody understood that. We need to understand that. We need to understand it. Peter's original listeners understood that the great prophet Moses was opposed by the tyrant king of Egypt, Pharaoh. 
And once he got past the tyrant king, guess what? Moses was still opposed. He was then harassed and mocked by many of the very people that he helped rescue from Egyptian slavery. Peter's original listeners knew that. You know why? They'd read and assimilated the information in the book of Exodus. They knew. They knew. The prophet Elijah, people of Peter's day, knew that Elijah was hunted like an animal by Israel's ancient king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel. And it wasn't just for a day or a week or a month. It was for years. Elijah became so exhausted by it that he, he fled from Jezebel, went all the way to Sinai, hid in a cave, waiting to meet with God. He was so distressed by it. Literally left the country to, to go to Sinai is what he did. People of Peter's day understood that because they'd read and assimilated all the information of 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. People Peter's writing to understood that the prophet Jeremiah was publicly ridiculed, tortured, and imprisoned. He nearly died for his faith and his faithfulness to God. And he wasn't just tortured for one time. I mean, it was just like, you re- go back and read the book of Jeremiah. It's like, you know, now he's, you know, in stocks out in a public square being spit at and his beard plucked and all kinds of things in public, made a mockery of. And finally gets released from that. And a little bit of time passes. And now he's thrown into a, a cistern being left for dead. And you just go through the book, and it's just this kind of thing over and over and over and over again. The point is that the prophets, all of them, were well acquainted with adversity and the testing of their faith. Peter knew that, so he, sh- he highlights this whole thing in the context of talking about adversity, testing of faith, and when faith is tested, he wants us all to remember the prophets, to remember the prophets And as if his words aren't enough, it's interesting. The New Testament book of Hebrews tells us this. It just writes this synopsis of the prophecy. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, uh, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. And the passage goes on and says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. Now listen to what they did. Listen to Does this sound like adversity even though they got what they requested of God? Listen to this. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Those were huge tests, huge tests of faith. The passage goes on and says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life when? What's the text say? After the resurrection. They put their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. This is the summary of the text. They were too good for this world. Think about that. They were too good for this world. 
wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. And the faith of every one of them was tested. Every one of them experienced the testing of their faith. They faced adversity and trials and opposition. And hear me, they didn't suffer because they'd done something wrong. They suffered for doing the right thing. Suffered for obeying God. They suffered for living by faith for Him. The summary of the text is that they were too good. Just think about that. Like the world in its corruption looked at them and said, you know, that person, they're messing up my theological, spiritual curve of feeling okay about myself. They're too good. Too good for this world. Here's the point. When your faith is tested, when your or my faith is tested, we're faced with adversity. Instead of thinking to ourselves, why is this happening to me? Or why is my life so hard? And, you know, which is, we just tell you, my tendency, all of our tendency. Instead of taking that approach to things, the Apostle Peter is appealing to his original listeners and to you and me to remember the prophets instead the ones who were too good for this world, the ones who suffered not because they did something wrong, but because they did the right thing. You know, we're tempted to think, ah, this, this hardship's come into my life because I've done something wrong because this should have played out where it's all, you know, cake and roses somehow or another. And when the truth of the matter is Hardship and adversity is probably more likely to come your way doing the right thing than doing the wrong thing. Because the crowd, a lot of times they do their own thing. When you and I endure hardship and adversity, and we're just experiencing a measure, a portion of what the prophets went through, and everyone's going to face a measure of it. And I think the prophets, all of their stories are recorded for us in Scripture for this reason. So we'll see and understand that we may have it bad, but it could be worse. It could be worse. And if they could be faithful, guess what? With God's help, so can I. So can I. Second response to testing that shows up in today's passage of Scripture is this. When faith is tested... And this is an extension of the first idea, really. When faith is tested, it's important to reflect deeply on Christ. It's important to reflect deeply on Christ and specifically his suffering and his victory. You know, believe it or not, the prophets of old did this. We, we just don't realize it because everything we read of the prophets is after the fact. I mean, we see the fulfillment of all the prophecies and so forth, or at least many of them in the New Testament. When the, New, when the Holy Spirit originally communicated, let's say, for example, to Isaiah the prophet, 
When he spoke to Isaiah that the Messiah, the coming king, was going to face adversity and testing and suffering on our behalf, what do you think went through Isaiah's mind? He didn't have the, the biblical, he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have everything we had. So he's left to try to figure out what on earth is God trying to communicate to me here and that, that he's asking me to communicate and write for the generations that will come in the future? What, what's he trying to say? Oh, here's a portion of what the Holy Spirit revealed to Isaiah 600 years before Christmas and the cross. And I want you to just listen with me and think with me about this, okay? God told the prophet Isaiah this in Isaiah 53, start at verse 6, just a portion of, of the prophecy here. God, God, God explains this to, to Isaiah. He says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, and speaking of the Messiah, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Now, when the Holy Spirit revealed these words, the prophet Isaiah, he did like you or I would do if we were in his shoes and we didn't know anything about the cross. We knew nothing, I mean, we knew nothing about Pontius Pilate and standing before him being unjustly condemned. I mean, he knew nothing about, are you with me? You follow me? He's, the Holy Spirit's revealing all of this. And so he begins to think deeply about the words that God's given him here. He's longing to understand them more fully. The apostle Peter explains all this to us in 1 Peter 1 verse 10. He just kind of gives us context. He says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered, what time? I mean, when's this going to happen? They wonder what situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They longed to know more so they reflected deeply on Christ's coming, his suffering, his glory. They thought to themselves, how is it that the king of glory, as he's depicted in Daniel chapter 9 and 7, all, as you go through, how is it that the king of glory can be cut off? How can, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. And yet the Holy Spirit's revealing it to them and they're communicating that to us. Here's the Bible's general application, I think, for all of this. And we could talk a lot more about this, as you can imagine. I'm just not going to. 
But here's the Bible's general application to all of us. If we were to spend a lot of time on it, this is where we'd end up. If the prophets found spiritual strength during their testing by reflecting on what they only partially understood about Christ, how much more strength is available to us who know the whole story? Are you with me? If the prophets could only grasp just a shadow, just a just a faint image of what was coming, and they found strength to endure their own sufferings because of it. And that's part of why Peter brings that up here. Because he knows that they know the sufferings. He knows that this is what the prophets have done. And he's trying to paint a picture for, for the people then and to us. He's trying to say to us, friends, if, if they found strength in only partially knowing what really took place, just by reflecting on when and how all this was going to unfold and why God would do that. If there's strength for them knowing part of the story, how much more strength is available to you and me who more fully understand Christ's sufferings and hear me that it doesn't end in a grave. There's an empty tomb that you and I know about that they just faintly understood. When your faith is tested, when mine is tested, we're tempted to think about ourselves. We're tempted to get all hung up on why and all these kinds of things. But God is saying, don't, don't get stuck there. God wants us to remember the prophets. He wants us to reflect deeply on Christ and his suffering and his victory. That you and I serve a God who would leave a throne in the heavens to step upon earth in flesh precisely so he could suffer in our place. Do not undersell or underestimate the strength, the spiritual strength that's available for all of us who will pause long enough to go there and reflect deeply like the prophets of old did. There are two more God-honoring, faith-strengthening responses to testing that show up in today's passage of Scripture, and I've got to cover them really quickly. When faith is tested, it's important to point people to Jesus. That's the third response, to point people to Jesus and to consider the unseen realm. We need to point people to Jesus, and we need to think about the unseen realm. Just kind of keep it in mind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 tells us this. They, the prophets of old, were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it's also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now, friends, when your faith and mine is tested, we must keep in mind that that test that you and I are going through is never, ever just about us. It never is. It's also always about others. It's an opportunity to point people to Jesus like the prophets did. It's an opportunity to share your testimony, your story, like the prophets did. 
It's an opportunity for you to shine, empowered by the Holy Spirit, even if you are opposed by literally everybody else that's around you, like the prophets did. People are watching, like happened in the days of prophets, like was happening in the days of Peter and the people he was writing to, and friends, like is happening in your life and mine when we go through testing. And just as it was not about them, just as the Holy Spirit wasn't revealing things to the prophets just for themselves, but for a future generation, he's revealing things, he's working in your life and testing you and me for the benefit of others. He wants us to point people to Jesus. There's been sort of a, the idea for a long time that a testimony exists because You've been through a test. You've been tested. And you survived. When you come out on the other side, you have a testimony. Just look at the word. Testimony. Because you survived. It's a story of your faith. And just as people are watching, it's interesting, and we need to keep in mind, apparently all of heaven the unseen angelic realm is watching as well because it's an amazing thing that God is doing in our world. It's an amazing thing. And on some level, they watch you. They watch me. Think of it sort of like this afternoon. Many of us will turn on our football game. What are we going to be doing? We'll be sitting there cheering for a team. I mean... 53 guys that are in better shape than really is healthy for them, probably, truthfully. I mean, just think of all they do to be in the level of fitness and, you know, 53 million people watching who are in worse shape than we really ought to be in. You know, we do well to kind of meet in the middle, all of us somewhere. But, I mean, we're watching, we're watching, we're cheering, we're cheering, and friends, if, if we're doing that for a game that's here today and going to be you know, distant memory, let's say a decade from now. What do you think heaven, all of heaven is doing when the stakes are forever? The stakes are eternal souls. When, when the father has already bet the farm and sent his son and he endured what he endured on behalf of all of us. I, friends, heaven is not preoccupied with anything other than what's going on in your life and mine. And there's strength to be found in realizing that I'm not alone in this. You may have nobody standing around you in the middle of whatever test you're going through, but all of heaven knows. All of heaven knows. And they're cheering. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Put your hope in something that's more than just a, a temporal, short-term win. The day is coming when uh, you're going to be victorious over suffering and hardship and adversity, just like, just like the Messiah Jesus was and is.
And it might be a last-minute 13-second save, but you'll win. You'll win. So when our faith is tested, we need to remember the prophets. When our faith is tested, we need to reflect deeply on Christ. There's strength to be found in doing that. Reflect on his life, but in particular, reflect on his sufferings and his victory over those sufferings. When your faith is tested, it's, it's so important to point people to Jesus because people are watching and they're observing you. And this is a moment that they're just thinking, man, it's like Rocky. You know, you just keep getting knocked down. You remember the old movie Rocky? Just like, hit me again, hit me again. And, and he gets knocked down and he just gets back up. He's, it's like when the people of God live this way, People cannot help but notice. And particularly when they live that way and suffer that, not because they've done something wrong, but because they've done what's right. It flips the script for everybody. And suddenly what's right and wrong in the world is clarified on a level that just cannot be understood independent of that. We'll see more of that as we work our way through the first book of 1 Peter, but... Then last, we got to keep in mind that the unseen realm sees everything that's going on. And because of that, in the end, it's all going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. God reminds us that in the end, it's all going to be worth it all in Isaiah 53. It's interesting. I suspect that Isaiah reflected deeply on this as well. We read the passage a few moments ago. And passage of speaking of Jesus says this, Isaiah 53, 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper in a few moments. I just want to invite you as we do that to reflect deeply on this verse and all that all that our Lord suffered on your behalf. It's important. It'll strengthen your faith. It's one of many ways to express your gratitude to Him. But it's because of Jesus' anguish, because of His suffering, because of His grief, because of His unjust death, that He made it possible for you and me to be counted among the righteous. It's not because of what you've done, it's not because of your suffering. It's not because of any difficulty you've faced. It's not because of your grief or sadness. All of that's deserved and far more than we've experienced for all of us because we're all sinners. As Isaiah says, like sheep, we've all gone our way, all of us. But God in his mercy chose to love us and reach out to us and suffer in our place that we could be counted righteous. Hear that? Righteous in the eyes of a holy and righteous God because of our faith in Jesus. You, if you're walking with Jesus, are too good for this world, not because of your virtues, but because of His. Thank him for that this morning. Because you and I are wholly incapable of being virtuous on the level that he is. The Holy Spirit in our lives 
even. We will never measure to that level of righteousness. It's impossible. So this morning, we just want to come before you, Lord, humble ourselves and acknowledge our desperate need for you. Would you fill us? Would you cleanse us? Would you make us yours, every one of us? We thank you for your suffering, your anguish, your grief. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death. We thank you that you were too good for this world. And that even though we're really not on our own because of our faith in you, we're no longer of this world. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, as we share in the Lord's Supper together, as we eat the bread, representative of Christ's body, as we drink the juice, representative of Christ's shed blood in his life that was given for us, we honor you. We celebrate your greatness. We humbly thank you. And not by our might or strength or virtue, but by your power, your grace, your virtue. We can be righteous in your eyes. We thank you for that. So we share in the Lord's Supper now, Lord. We honor you. We remember. Help us to think deeply about this, Lord. For Christ's sake and ours. Amen. Amen.
every one of us needs the Holy Spirit to renew the strength of our souls. We're going to stand testing the adversity, the challenges that come in life, and uh, just encourage you to open your heart up to God in that way. Part of why we're encouraging this foundation's uh, reading uh, kind of program, this plan for this year, is just, just want everybody to be in the Word of God. I, I would encourage you to read the book of Exodus. Read 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. Read the book of Jeremiah. Read the book of Isaiah. I could go on, right? Read, read, read. Assimilate as much of it as you can. Wash your mind, your spirit with the water of God's word. The Holy Spirit will renew your soul if you do that. And he, he just wants to do that. So I hope you'll jump in with us on the reading plan. We're going to dive in tomorrow. Hope that uh, you'll take advantage of the opportunity. Let's bow our heads and uh, we'll be praying now. And if you need prayer, come on up afterwards. We'll pray for you. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your word, which can wash our minds, our souls, strengthen our faith, help us to walk in your ways. Thank you for your word. And Lord, as we uh, just think about our desperate need for more of your spirit, God, would you just, would you flood our lives? Would you pour out your spirit on us? We need you. We humble ourselves before you and just acknowledge our desperate need. Our world needs you. We individually need you. Would you fill us so that we can leave this place this day? We can walk into our world tomorrow and today and we can, we can shine. We can stand the tests of time and the challenges that come our way in life. We want to point people to you want to shine as you've called us to do. We rely on you for that. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, may the things that we've talked about, the meditations of our heart here in this place, may they echo and reverberate in our souls. And Lord, we give you credit for every good thing that will happen because of the seed of your word that's been planted in us. We're grateful for you. And may your blessing rest on everyone within the sound of my voice. This is our request, and we lift the request in the name of Jesus, the powerful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you all.